Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Tuesday, April 25th, 2017 version of the Ag News Daily Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Mike Pearson, and joining me is my co-host, Delaney Howell. Delaney, what is new in your world? What is new in my world? Mm, I don't know that there's a lot going on that's new. Day to day, it's hard to come up with something to share. You know, it really is. You, you kind of don't realize how dull lives really are until you yeah. have to talk about them every day. Also, whenever my parents ask me what I'm up to, I just say, listen to my podcast and you'll probably find out. And they'll find out you're really not up to anything. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Well, then let's let's blow on through there. Let's talk about who are we talking to today? We are talking to Chad Colby of Colby Ag Tech, and he also owns a Case IH dealership, but uh, he has done a lot of traveling around the United States, maybe even internationally, I guess I don't know that for sure, about technology and more specifically using drones in farming operations. That's right, and we probably ought to clarify before he gets a bunch of calls, he is the general manager of the uh, uh, Central Illinois Ag. Yes, yes, that sounds right. And um, yeah, and I know he's been to Canada, so that counts as international. He is it definitely does. a world traveler, so we'll get his insights on drones. But in the meantime, Delaney, is there any news you have to report? Of course there is. Obviously, the big news for today is Secretary of Agriculture has finally been confirmed with Sonny Perdue's nomination last night. And I believe he gave a speech this morning to uh, as a swearing-in ceremony to accept the position. Well, good. So we got him locked and loaded. And now that's a big change in D.C. As, right. Uh, are there any other tie-ins to more local Iowa politics, Delaney? Well, actually, before we get to that, I, I think I know what you're talking about there, Mike. But I also wanted to mention we're still waiting on two confirmations from the Senate. We have Robert Lighthizer, who would be the U.S. Trade Secretary, and then the U.S. Labor Secretary, I think that's the title. The person dealing with labor, Alexander Acosta, is also being uh, still in the process of com confirming his nomination. Okay. Are they doing that today? No. Okay. And of course, we're still waiting on Governor Branstad to be confirmed to uh, go to China and a lot of the other ambassadorships. Right. right. All right. So, no, come back to, uh, let's bring it back to local. Um, any, All right. Any local ties to DC and the news of Sonny Purdue? There is. I think this just came out this morning, but Iowa Ag Secretary Bill Northey said that he has discussed possible positions in the USDA with Sonny Perdue. And he released a statement saying, I have talked to the secretary before he was secretary. I'm very interested in being able to serve. I love my job as Iowa Secretary of Agriculture and look forward to working with the administration from that position. Or if there's another position that's offered, I certainly would consider that as well. Gotcha. And, uh, you know, as an Iowan, I would hate to see Bill Norvey move. I think he does mm -hmm. a great job promoting the entire industry of agriculture in this state. But at the same time, I think he would do a tremendous job on the national level as well. So, Delaney, we haven't talked about this. What, but Mike? Would you be comfortable today with Ag News Daily endorsing Bill Norvey for whatever role <laughs> they offer him? I certainly would. I love talking to Bill. I've talked to him on multiple occasions, and he is always super friendly. So there we go. Our first political endorsement goes to Bill Norby, <laughs> the uh, Iowa Secretary of Agriculture. And uh, there we go. Look at that. Making, uh, making some changes up in here. Getting involved in politics. Now we just need some of that dark money to come our way. 
right? Maybe we should form a super PAC right. for something. Maybe. All right. Uh, any legal experts out there, let us know how we can get our hands on all that good money. <laughs> all right. Well, and actually, I just wanted to mention this. While we're talking, uh, Secretary of Agriculture, and you'd mentioned yesterday, one of his first priorities will be to go to Wisconsin and uh, work with Canada to try to find a solution to the, uh, the dairy impasse. There was... A report Reuters published today saying that other countries are willing to join with the U.S. in World Trade Organization actions against Canadian dairy policy. Basically, they're looking back at the 2016 Canadian price change, which the argument of the U.S., Australia, and New Zealand, the EU, and Mexico all say that it is unfair because it is pricing cheese or the ingredients for cheese under the cost of production. So it is protectionist. And those four countries are willing to join with the U.S. and take this before the World Trade Organization. Doesn't give a timeline, but I imagine that would happen here fairly shortly. Mm-hmm, I would imagine so. And President Trump has been vocal on Twitter, on Twitter about uh what's going on in Canada. He tweeted this morning, Canada has made business for our dairy farmers in Wisconsin and other border states very difficult. We will not stand for this. Watch. So. All right. Keep your eye on the ball there. Maybe something's happening already. That's right. All right. What else you got? Well, yesterday we, uh, or I guess I reported on President Trump's executive orders he will roll out. And there was all that hobgobble about the executive order for rural communities, but a uh, statement was released today saying that his next move will to be create to create an interagency task force, which will spend 180 days studying rural America's woes and come up with legislative and regulatory plans for revving up the rural economy. Hmm. More hobgobble indeed, Delaney. But a little bit, a little bit more clear. That's true. And at least we've got a timeline. 180 days. Yeah. They'll, Figure out all the woes and then solve them. That, and that's what we need is is more government action. Well, hmm. and they say they're trying to target regulations that hinder growth in agriculture in rural communities. Gotcha. Okay, so, so be looking to roll back to, things and and yeah. free up those of us and in look, rural America to do things. Mm-hmm. And looking to increase jobs, improve infrastructure, and foster technological innovation. Perfect. And, you know, that dovetails nicely with a report out of the USDA today just to remind everybody how big of a player rural America is when it comes to the nationwide economy. The U.S. exported $135 billion worth of agricultural goods in 2016. And here's where it gets interesting. 61% of that $136 billion went to five markets. Canada, China, Mexico, the EU, and Japan. And of those five, we're currently dancing around negotiating with three of them, with uh, Canada, China, and Mexico. So it's important that not only do we have the freedom to do what we need to do here in rural America, it's important that we still be able to ship our goods over to those places. Speaking of Mexico, this isn't maybe a super impactful story, but a 12-member delegation of U.S. rice growers, millers, merchants, and exporters are in Mexico City this week to reassure officials about their commitment to rice. And I think it's interesting just because the U.S., I think, has 90% share of the rice market in Mexico. There we go. We own that market. Go U.S. That's right. All right. And so here's something else. Just... 
while you're at the grocery store this week, while you're picking out the, the delicious meals, you are, or the side dishes, I should say, that you're going to serve alongside all the steak that you're grilling, listeners, go grill those steaks. <laughs> Something you'll notice in the vegetable uh, area of the grocery store aisle um, is that uh, vegetable prices are skyrocketing because of the the so much moisture in California combined with warmer than usual weather that uh, happened in Southern California and Western Arizona ended the winter growing season early. So all of these things have led to shortfalls of crops, uh, including lettuce and broccoli and celery heads. The cost of celery heads has almost tripled since February and a carton of 36 hearts of romaine lettuce jumped to $52, more than four times mm-hmm. the cost last year. Folks, this is making beef look like a value proposition. <laughs> That's uh, Bloomberg. Oh, my gosh. That earlier today. So All very, right. very interesting article there. The last thing I wanted to share was we had a uh, Twitter subscriber, Chad Ingalls, and he has been pretty active with us on social media. He tweeted an article at us earlier this morning. Um, by the Iowa Farm Bureau, and it's dealing with Iowa waters. I haven't had time to read the full article, but it's basically dealing with the Iowa DNR and their frustrations with the negative portrayal of impaired waters listings. So if you're interested in reading that article, we will retweet it. I think it might be on our profile right now, but just in case it's not, we will retweet it and hopefully talk to somebody at the Iowa DNR to talk about what their plans are for the negative portrayal of water. Yeah, and, you know, it was an interesting article, and the reason the DNR is trying to get out in front of it is uh, the short version is the impaired waters list increased in 2016. It showed 1.6% more impaired waters, which are streams and creeks and lakes and whatnot in the state of Iowa. But the DNR wants to remind people, hey, this list didn't grow because water got worse. It grew because now we have more data so we can better rank and we're just basically finding out new information. So it is an important topic and we will certainly get more background on that here in the next uh, week or so. Well, Mike, that sounds good. I think uh, it's a wrap-up of our news for today. So do you want to read us today's closing market prices? I sure do. Thank you very much, Delaney. Let's start off here in the corn market. May corn jumped today five and three-quarter cents, finished 3.65 even. December new crop corn up five and a half cents, closed at 3.89 even. In soybeans, we gave back a lot of yesterday's gains as the May contract dropped six and three-quarter cents, finishing at 9.54 and a half. Novi beans down five and three-quarters, closed the day at 9.61 and three-quarters. Over in wheat, the May wheat contract up six and a quarter cents, finished at 4.08 and three-quarters. The December contract up six and a half, finishing the day at 4.64 and a half. Looking over at livestock, again a reversal from yesterday. Uh, the April live cattle contract closed up 82.5 cents, finished at 129.82.5. June, the more lively traded contract, closed up 97.5 cents, finishing at 115.82.5. In feeder cattle, the April contract up 47.5 cents, closed at 138.72.5. The May contract up 22.5, closing at 137.67.5. 
in lean hogs. The May contract up 82 and a half cents, finished at 65, 22 and a half. June lean hogs up two dollars, 30 cents, closed the day at 71, 82 and a half. And finally, a quick peek at the milk market. The May contract closed down 26 cents, finishing the day at 15. 35. Well, Delaney, I am using a lot of technology to report these markets, but none of my technology is flying. Should we learn more about flying technology with our guest? That was quite the segue, but I think we should. All right, let's turn it over to Chad Colby. Join now Chad Colby, which you can follow him on Twitter at the Chad Colby, and he is from Goodfield, Illinois. Known for a few different things, but most refer to him as the nerd of drones. Is that right, Chad? <laughs> um, yeah, that's probably accurate. Yes. I'm a little <laughs> bit of a technology geek, that's for sure. So tell us what's going on in the drone industry. What big things are coming up down the pipeline? You know, the the exciting thing that's happened to you know unmanned aerial systems here in the U.S. basically since last fall is we've got new regulation in place. So today, a producer or a real estate agent or whatever your industry might be can go out now and get what's what's called a Part 107, which is a remote pilot's license. So you can legally operate one in a commercial field or industry. That's what's really going to set things on fire as far as drone use goes in 2017, because now um, it's it's pretty widespread that people can actually use the technology commercially. Um, the interesting part is there's actually more drones registered um, now than there are airplanes in the U.S. So we know that um, wow. now that there's regulation in place, we're going to be using these a lot more than ever. Now, Chad, there was a survey. It was a, a little bit of a, a mock survey, I guess, that uh, came out earlier this spring saying something like three-quarters of farmers plan on using unmanned aerial systems in their operations this year. What have you seen? Are, are farmers that willing that quickly to adapt to this technology? You know, I think the bottom line with any new technology and certainly unmanned aerial systems been the talk for the last, you know, two or three years, but it's been around longer than that. The challenge has become is we needed regulations in place. And as far as widespread use, I don't even think we're touching the surface yet. I mean, you know, it's like everything else you got, um, especially in the I states, right? Indiana, Illinois, Iowa, we're always the first to adapt with whatever crazy new technology whether it's planter technology or combine technology, we'll try it. Um, but only even that, you know, it's a 15 or 20 percent absorption rate just when we get started. And I, and I would tell you this technology is, is hardly scratching the surface. Guys are going to want to see a return on that investment. And also we need to, you know, have products that are very easy to use that can actually, you know, like I say, provide a return. And we're starting to see that now. Can anybody just go out and buy a drone? I mean, you mentioned the 107 license, but tell us and our listeners what that means. So basically, today, if, if you're if you're wondering how to get started, um, I would tend you I would send you to a site called KnowBeforeYouFly.org. It's a site put on by the by the FAA, the Federal Aviation Administration. It's important to understand that all the airspace above our heads, regardless where you're at physically in the United States, is managed by the FAA, period. Um, That's nothing new. That's been around for a long, long time. The challenge becomes if you want to go use this technology on your farm, if you're going to make decisions with the data or you're going to do it for hire, you have to have a Part 107 license, remote pilot's license. To do that, it'll walk you right through the process, but the long and short of it is, 
you'll go take a uh, you've got to go take a test if you pass the test then you submit your um, basically your exam the stuff that says that you passed the test and you'll take take that at a uh, FAA facility that will say you passed it and they'll they'll vet you with a TSA to make sure that you don't have any issues as far as background goes and then you'll get the license and that license basically says I'm an operator of an unmanned aerial system, and it's my responsibility to fly in this envelope. And that envelope is all the rules and regulations that you learned in the process. So, you know, flying over a cornfield in central Iowa or Illinois is not an issue. Now, if that if that cornfield is next to Des Moines, two miles from the airport, well, that's a big issue, and, and people need to understand the rules and regulations. Um, but I can tell you in agriculture, it's, um, it's going to be exciting in, in 2017 because a lot of companies now – colleges, universities are all getting on board to start developing the drones and sensors and the workflow and the data management and all the things behind it more than just physically flying the drone. But uh, it's going to be really exciting because at the end of the day, you know, um, growers are looking for ways to save time and obviously protect their investments in the field, and a drone can help do that, along with satellites and airplanes and everything else we've been doing as far as remote sensing goes. Now, that opens up, I think, the next big question. You know, I get to travel quite a bit, and I speak to groups, and lately I've been asking, who here owns a drone? And I'll get a smattering of hands. You know, probably 5% of the crowd typically will raise their hands. And I say, what do you do with it? And everybody just kind of shrugs and smiles, and then occasionally (laughs) one will say, well, we took our Christmas card picture with it. You know, what what can these tools do? And I know, like you mentioned, we're just scratching the surface, but where is that return on investment going to come from with drones, unmanned aerial systems, you know, you name it? So it, it's so funny you say that. Is, is At the end of the day, you know, when you talk about remote sensing, and remote sensing is, the, I'm, we're opening the whole gamut now, right? Our vehicles have thousands of sensors on them, our combines, our tractors, our planters, we talk about remote sensing in a field, it really opens the full envelope, right? In the soil sensors, sensors in a drone, sensors from a satellite or an airplane, all that's fine and dandy. But the drone segment in this where I see the value, and it's ironic, I've been talking about this for years, for a long time. Tell me the day where I open the tailgate of my truck, I, I put a drone in the air, it flies a mission, and when it lands, I get the data at the back of my truck so that I can go ground truth based on the real-time data I just got. Well, when I would make that statement a couple years ago, companies would laugh at me. And I'm like, no, it's going to happen. Well, in the past, you know, 20 years ago when NASA was flying over Iowa or Illinois or wherever collecting this data, it might take a week to get the data back. And if you hired an airplane today in Iowa to go fly it, it might take you 24 hours to get the data back. Um, You know, as soon as two or three years ago, if I flew a drone, it might take me 10 or 15 hours to process, physically process the data on a computer. Which was, which was good compared to other sources. This year, we're seeing some technology now. In fact, I used some yesterday where while the drone is actually in flight, I'm getting some of the data back on an iPad in almost real time. And then after it lands in a matter of minutes, I'm getting some, some data that's good enough to go out and ground truth right from the tailgate of my truck. And this is what's going to start making this actually be a viable tool on the farm. It's got a ways to go, but it's, it's coming very fast. And this data that you're getting, is that primarily photographic data? Is it uh, video data or is it, uh, oh, I, green sensor is the one that comes to mind. The uh, yeah, Help me it, out here, Chad. What's that? Be, 
Yeah, it's it's going to be all the above. The real time stuff we're seeing right now is of the RGB level, so it's it's a stitched together color image, right? But in real time, and then once the data has a chance to process, which is just in a few minutes, well, then you're getting imagery of that NIR type, right? Plant health measuring reflectance in the field type data. Well, then you're getting that back in just a matter of minutes after you land, and that's what's interesting because now we can start to see things in the field that our eyes can't see, and then you could walk right out to those spots and obviously ground truth it and see if there's a decision that you can make, you know, whether that's a nitrogen or it's irrigation or whatever that might be. And that's where the industry is really going because if you take that data from a drone and tie that into the future sensors that are coming in our soil type by zones, ooh, things start to get really fun really fast. Yeah. Is there is there a concern for data transparency or if a drone were to fly over somebody's farm, who owns that data? You know, everybody asks me that. It's, it's the same question I've answered for years. You know, you need to have permission where you fly, okay? And if you're going to fly over somebody's farm or somebody's field, you know, obviously that data is theirs and it's their responsibility. Um, you know, when you get your license to operate an unmanned aerial system, a drone, if you would, you know, you're responsible for its locations and where it flies. So, yes, you're going to have permission wherever you fly, and that data is the farmer's. Now, Chad, let's take a step back. Look at technology as a whole, because this is an area in agriculture that just continues to grow by leaps and bounds. And uh, as farmers are getting ready, and we know you're at the, the dealership every day, you're working with farmers, what are some of the biggest challenges that, if we've got rain over these next five days, guys can take advantage of the downtime and and take care of what should folks be thinking of with technology right now you know you're just leading me on i love it It, listen (laughs) at the end of the day one you know technology and agriculture is tough it's tough because you're dealing with with grandpa and dads and, and and an industry that's that's growing so fast that a lot of times it feels like you can't keep up and why should you keep up and one of the biggest things that i run into i ran into it actually today already this morning is you still got to keep up with the basics, and the basics meaning don't. If your iPhone, if your smartphone or your tablet is more honestly than a year or two old, go buy a new one. And I'm not telling you to go buy a new one because the one you have is junk and isn't isn't worth isn't isn't going to pre- perform what it can anymore. The reason why I tell people to go upgrade is if I told you you could go down to the Chevy dealership and buy a new Chevy pickup. And instead of it getting 18 or 20 miles to the gallon, the new one gets 75 miles to the gallon, we'd all go buy new trucks. And the new iPhones, the new iPads today, in many cases are four or five times better than just the previous model. And when you start doing all these advanced things like controlling planters and drones and all kinds of fun stuff with with that, that performance goes a long, long way. So make sure you update your your smartphones and your tablets along the way. That gets overlooked so much. For a lot of farmers, like you mentioned, they're older or um, grandpa's dads, but what's a resource or what are some resources that they can use to stay up to date and know what the latest technology is? Well, you know, obviously there's a lot of great ag programs out there that I that I watch quite a bit. Um, you know, you need, you need to keep doing your research. Um, and it's hard, but you know, you got to find areas that you can that you can invest in that you will get a return on. You know, the smartphones, tablets, that's the first step. But even go in with some other farmers. They've got some good friends that buy drones together, and they try them on different farms. 
you can't ignore this technology today, especially where commodity prices are today, and that push to find the next five bushel of grain, and whether that's from a planner or whether it's from sensors or whatever it is, you got to keep pushing. And I think I think the most interesting part of the future is going to be we're we're just we're just getting there. Um, I think the technology you're going to see in fields over the next two or three years is going to marvel anything that's happened in the last ten. Um, I've been fortunate enough to see some new things that are coming, and oh my goodness, are we on the cusp of uh, some amazing things. So, Chad, here's so my question. Us. Do I skip buying a drone this year and save my money for the next sexy thing, or do I try to advance as, as the technology advances? I think the fun thing in that statement is this. It's this simple. If if unfortunately your farm's the one that gets the hailstorm that comes by or any type of uh, basic weather event, which we all pray that we don't, they don't hit our farms, but they do. Is there a value to lowering the tailgate and throwing a drone up in the air? I shouldn't say throwing, but flying a drone over your 80 acre field and getting high resolution images on your iPad in a matter of minutes. I think so. And the systems you buy today for a couple thousand dollars are amazing pieces of equipment. Auto takeoff, auto land. I mean, they've got all, they've got, you know, uh, collision avoidance all the way around them now. They won't run into anything. They could see objects around them. You know, that technology didn't exist. You know, the first drones that we flew, you know, I was on uh, the market to market show years ago. Mm-hmm. My goodness, the drone I the drone I had, if you remember probably had seven or eight different vendors of equipment to actually make it work, okay, from the controller to the camera to the flight systems. It was all special and exotic. Today, we use an iPad and we use a drone that is completely ready to go, and they're very, very easy to use. I would say you're almost going to start to get left behind if it's a technology you want to use. Okay. Hmm. So uh, what big things do you see coming here in the next two to three years? I think you'll see workflow work a lot better, meaning that that data in the field is very relevant anymore, so getting more real-time data. And I think you're going to be surprised at some of the new sensors that are coming. This is sensors for both uh, the drones, right, the different cameras. Those type of things will be advancing, but also in-soil sensors. That's probably one of the things I'm most excited about is where you can go out in these fields. Most farmers, uh, you know, use a, a grid sample or a zone soil sampling, you know, data set in their field. They'll have sensors in there, and then they'll be doing two things in real time. They'll be getting remote sensing data from satellite, airplane, or drone, comparing that to the in-field, in-soil sensors to make their decision. And that's where things will get really interesting, controlling the nutrients, controlling the nutrient uptake, making sure that we're being good stewards of our land, you know, abiding by all the rules and regulations from the EPA and all that fun stuff as far as nitrogen management. That's a whole other conversation. Um, I think that's the thing that's going to be really exciting the next two or three years. And not just making sure we're good stewards, but being able to prove through data and record keeping that we are good stewards. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I think that's going to be the, the real interesting part because remember this fact. You know, I'm 45 years old, and growing up as a young man in, in Illinois, I remember on our farms vividly, you know, raising 150 bushel corn was, was good. 175 was good. You know, today, you know, obviously in places we're raising, you know, a lot of farms now pushing that 300 marker. But here's the exciting part. Go back in the USDA and look. We're doing it on the same amount of fertilizer. Yeah. We're not – we're doing mm-hmm. it with less. 
and that's what we're going to do the next you know to by 2050 we've all heard the story we basically have to double food output again in the balance of my lifetime well guess what we're going to do it with less we're not going to do it with more and whether that's different you know mechanical means or strip till or different ways of farming different genetics and all this fun technology it is uh it's it's an exciting challenge um you know the three of us are just some of the people that love to tell the story but agriculture is going to continue to be the story you know <laughs> for a long long time because everybody needs to eat and the united states does a great job of producing food for obviously here in the u.s but all over the world that's right. Now, Chad, your Twitter feed is a fantastic resource for people. Can you tell us how do we find you on Twitter? Yeah, just go out and search uh, the little hashtag and the Chad Colby. You'll you'll find me. I uh, share as much information as I can. Also, I've got a website called Colby Ag Tech where I share a bunch of stuff there. I don't sell any any drones or anything like that. I just share what I learn, and I've been very fortunate to uh, meet and work with a lot of great farmers all over the U.S. And I uh, spoke with one of them last night. He was a little frustrated because up in North Dakota, they got three inches of snow yesterday. Oh, so, uh, you know, it's uh, it's a lot of fun. Here in central Illinois, it's been a full-court press here the last three or four days. I would tell you, um, you know, today's April 25th, and I would I would guarantee in the next couple of days the majority of the corn here is done. Obviously, we got a lot of rain in the forecast the next 10 days which makes everybody a little bit nervous. But, uh, you know, it's spring in the Midwest, and, you know, all of us get pretty excited about it, like myself. So we're looking forward to uh, another great year. That's right. Well, Chad, we'll let yep. you get going and uh, keep those planners rolling, and uh, hopefully we can catch <laughs> up with you here again uh, in the future. Yeah, that sounds great. You guys need anything, call me anytime. It was a pleasure being on today. Again, a big, huge thank you to Chad Colby. He uh, is very active on social media, so be sure and tune in and follow him on social media if you do not do so yet. Yeah, be sure to tune in. And it's interesting, he talked about being on Market to Market. All of the drone shots you see on Market to Market were filmed by Chad Colby um, over in central Illinois. And we are about due for an update on those. We'll have to uh, get that going. Yeah, that is true. So, Delaney, well, can you give Mike, us uh, well, some insight on the rest of the week? I was just going to ask you the same, but I guess I have all the context planned for this week. So, tomorrow we are going to be talking to um, a current geology professor from Iowa State, but he used to be a petroleum geologist at ExxonMobil. And then Thursday morning we will be talking to Margie from FarmHer, and Friday it's going to be a mystery. All right, Friday's grab bag day. I love it. We'll That's keep right. them on the edge of their seats. And uh, again, once again, folks, please do rate and review us on iTunes. Leave us a star rating, whatever you think we deserve. And uh, be sure to leave some comments, and we'll be sure to give you a shout-out on the air. And with that, Delaney, should we let the people go? Let's let them go. Let my people go. 